It is good to be home. I tell you what, I was a little jet lagged. As usual, I get to spend my time on the phone with my family at the most convenient times ever. We are nine, nine hours ahead of you guys, so right when I'd be ready to go to sleep, April and the kids wanted to chat and talk, so, uh, but I did it. I did it with a smile. I couldn't wait to talk to them. I thank God for modern technology, amen? I was able to stay in contact with my family. But thank you guys for praying and those of you that were praying and supporting. I really appreciate that. I thank God for Rebecca. Come on. Thank God for Rebecca bringing the word and ministering on the first week. And for Brother David last week. Wasn't that good? Come on, man. I, I really appreciated that. We were, we were preparing and thinking and I thought, well, you know, I'm in Israel and, you know, I, I mean, the foremost authority on uh, messianic Jewish uh, culture I know is in the house anyway so we might as well let him loose we had a great time last week praise God but yes yes well thank you thank you for being obedient praise God but I'm back this week are you ready hallelujah I uh Tell you what, I could sit here and talk for hours about my trip, but I'm not going to do that. If you want to know about my trip, you can ask me later, because if I start talking, I'll just keep rambling and rambling and everything. And Tiffany's already yawning, so I want to make sure that I, that I keep it moving. (laughs) She said, she said, keep it short, keep it moving. (laughs) Oh, praise God. But, uh, you know, while I was there, just a couple things I do want to touch on. You know, if you ever get a chance to go on a trip, to Israel, take it. Make sure, though, don't just go with anybody. Make sure that you're going with somebody that um, is going to really tap into the fullness of the experience. I know people that go just for tours and, and sightseeing, and that's great. There's a lot of cool stuff to see. But, I mean, there's some rich things to do and to see. And that is a trip that you feel. It was new for me. I'd never really done anything like that before. So I was even kind of out of my element at first. But God just showed up and blessed me everywhere we went. Uh, We were so blessed. But one of the things that really... hit home with me was, of course, you see the sites and the archaeological sites, and you think, man, this is cool that they've uncovered this. This is cool that this is biblical times and and everything there. But it just hit me that it solidified my faith even more. Amen? You know, it's one thing to hear about a certain restaurant. How many have ever heard about a restaurant on TV? Or maybe anybody like me and your food channel, uh, Food Network buff, and uh, you love Guy Fieri. Come on, somebody. And uh, I always say it wrong. Drive-in diners and dives. Right. And you know, I've watched that show for years. And uh, I remember April and I were going somewhere and we thought, let's go stop. Let's look up his website, see if we can find some place that he's been. And so we look around and when we go to other cities, we're like, oh, Guy Fieri was here. And so we go in there and we're like, oh, this is cool. But it's nothing like one that you've seen on the show. You know, you've seen a place on the show and then you go and you're there. This is cool. And there's a restaurant in Watauga um, called Chef Point. Anybody ever been there? It's amazing. 
And uh, he was on there and he was talking about this gas station that turned into a restaurant and, and how it's a classically trained chef there. And Guy was on there and he was talking about the bread pudding and all this. And then somebody took me to Chef Point and I remember walking in there and seeing, man, there's Guy Fieri's picture. There's, and then I ordered the bread pudding and it was just as good as Guy said. But how many know there's TV, but there's not smell-o-vision? How many know what I'm talking about? Don't you wish they had smell-o-vision? Remember the scratch and sniff snickers stickers when you were a kid that you could scratch those and smell them? Man, I wish they had smell-o-vision sometimes or taste-o-vision where you could just reach in there and taste it. But it's something about, I went into Chef Point, I thought, man, I'm here. I've made it. This is the place. And I'm telling you, imagine that on steroids. That's what a trip to Israel is. It's like you get there and you think, man, this is what I've read about, sang about, prayed about, lived for, preached, and I'm right here. One of the most um, impactful things for me was, this was a little thing, but it really hit me. We were going down the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. This is the, the last walk that Jesus walked from where he was tried by Pilate and, and, um, in Caiaphas' house there and, and sentenced to death. And then he went to the scourging posts and carried the cross and, um, there's different stops and they have the different places along the, cross the walk there where you can stop and explain what happened here and you know there's a lot of people walking and there's the catholic people that are really you know those are really sacred to them so they're going and they're kissing and touching and doing all this and you know i was like oh that's cool that's cool and it didn't really hit me but you know what hit me was when we went to the stop where they believed that simon of cyrene picked up the cross and carried it for jesus and it hit me for several reasons. And you know me, I don't, I don't play the race card, throw that around. But as a man of color, it really hit me to think that out of all those thousands of people that could have been there that day, because the place is, I mean, even now, the place is hustling, bustling. They're selling things. And I'm sure it was like that during Jesus' day. And of all the people, there's a man of color from Cyrene, probably a black man standing there. And, you know, a lot of people have said, well, he was forced to. They picked the black man. I don't think it was that. Whether it was that or whether he volunteered, he did it. Come on. And he helped Jesus to fulfill the destiny and helped him to go to the cross. And that hit me. And I stood right there and I thought, man, praise God that you count me worthy enough to help you get the gospel across. That I can pick up the good news. I can pick up the message of the cross. And I can take that everywhere I go. Man, that hit me so much. And you know what? We all have a responsibility. And that really kind of spurred today's message on that we all have a responsibility to do our part. And I know what you're thinking already. They, oh man, here come the pastor's back. He's fresh. He's going to hit us up for, I'm not even talking about doing your part in the church. I'm talking about doing your part for your own walk with God. Come on, you realize God does it everything. On the cross, Jesus said, it is. And when he said it's finished, it was done. The work that he came to do was done. But you know what? We have a responsibility. What is responsibility? It's your ability to respond correctly. 
responsibility. And we have something that we need to do. We need to pick up and we need to carry our part of this deal. And what is it? Our part to carry is simply this. Jesus has done so much for us. He's made a way. Man, I tell you what, walking and just listening to the stories of how they did things and why. It's one thing to read the word and kind of understand it. It's one thing to read the word and have a minister um, give you their thoughts on it. Come on. So many things just blew my mind while I was there that I've had mental pictures in my head of what this meant. Come on, how many know that you, you hear something, you read it, you think, oh, it must have looked like that, or it must have been like that. I mean, just something little, I'm thinking about the um, pool of Bethesda. How many, I've preached that so many times on healing, and I'm picturing a big Olympic-sized swimming pool, a big old flat pool that a guy couldn't get down to for 38 years, and I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? Come on, why can't you get there? But I went there, and it wasn't like that. It's a series of deep cauldrons and pools and you had to walk down into them and there were stairs and and ways to get down in there and porches way up here and they had to sit at a certain place and and they it was funny hearing our guide say that they believe that there's special whirlpools that happen because of the depth of the pool and when the whirlpool would come then people whoever got in there would be healed but uh, we know it wasn't a whirlpool come on we know it was the angel of the lord that touched the the pool at a certain time and uh and so it was just amazing how seeing things differently but it doesn't matter all of that whatever it was that you've heard believed you know what god's already done it praise god i mean walking into the garden tomb and holding a communion service there was so powerful we did a communion service at the garden tomb and right next to a place right up the hill the place of a skull where Golgotha, and you can see literally right there a skull in the side of the mountain, a face, and that's where we believe Jesus was crucified, and then went to this borrowed tomb. Why did he need a borrowed tomb? Because he wasn't going to stay there. Come on, somebody. And so it was empty. All these other tombs and graves around that they showed us, there were still bodies in there. But this one was empty so you and I could have victory in our life. But out of all that, we still have a part to play. All it's been, it's all been done for us. The price has been paid, but you and I have to receive it. We have to receive it. We, our responsibility is to believe and to receive that it's already been done. I come in contact with people every day that are living beneath their means. They're living in, in sickness. They're living in poverty. They're living in shame, guilt from their past. They're living in heartache. They're living in defeat. And I want to tell them, don't you know that's already been paid for you? Come on, they had the best buffet in the whole wide world that I've ever seen at the hotel. Now, it would be dumb for me to go down there and just take some butter and smear it on a piece of bread and sit there and that's all I ate. Well, I don't have any extra money. I want to save my money. Dummy, the buffet's included. 
It's already been paid. Look, I'm not a breakfast person. I love, I love cooking breakfast and eating breakfast, but I don't love to get up and eat breakfast. Anybody like that? Come on. I like eating breakfast at night. Sometimes we have dinner, we have breakfast for dinner. Anybody ever have that? And, um, that's my favorite. When I cook breakfast for the family, it's usually around 11. <laughs> I'm going to make a nice breakfast where it's going to be around 11 o'clock. And so I hate getting up and cooking. I'm like, if I'm getting up early, I'm out the door. I'm barely getting dressed. I don't like eating breakfast. And so we were tired and we were running and everything at the hotel. But they're like, the breakfast buffet is just as good as the dinner buffet. How many know I carried my tail down to the cafeteria every day for breakfast? And I was making sure that I had breakfast. Why? Because it was already paid for. Come on, somebody's going to get this up in here before I leave here today. And you might be running around this room. Because it's already been paid for. And all you have to do is receive it. And God is trying to get to us that he has already paid for it. If he bled and died for it, you don't have to suffer with it. It's already made for you. It's already prepared. But we have to receive it. Man, next Sunday is the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, many of us have heard that. That's the beginning of the Hebrew New Year. And um, we'll be blowing our shofar. Brother, if you got a shofar, bring it. We might, we might have to uh, blow it. I'm going to declare next Sunday a day of answered prayer. Can I get an amen? How many have some needs that you just believe in God for? Something that you say, man, I've got a whole tablet full. I've got sheets of them. Bring them next Sunday. Because I believe that this is something spiritual in the calendar year, of the Hebrew calendar. It's New Year. And what they would do is they would blow the shofar, the feast of trumpets, and say, guess what? It's getting ready to jump off up in here. Uh, come on. We're getting ready for something new. How many are tired of yesterday? Ready for something new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when they would blow that shofar, it would be a sign of getting ready for battle. It would be a sign of victory. It was a call to arms. It was an alerting. And I'm telling you, God is wanting to get our attention that he already done what we need him to do. And he's got something laid up for us. But all we have to do is reach out by faith and receive it. I don't know about you, but I'm grabbing a hold of my new year right now. I'm grabbing a hold of what God has for me. I'm not going to leave it on the table this year. I've been guilty of leaving some things on the table last year. There are some things that I know God had for me, but I left them on the table. I'm repenting right here. I'm guilty of it. I didn't go after it. I didn't do what I needed to do. I didn't set myself up to receive it. But I'm not doing that this next year. And we're going to declare that next Sunday. So I want you to come ready to receive next Sunday. And then the days in between... Um, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is what they call the days of awe. Man, I didn't even know you were going to sing that song today. But I tell you what, how many are ready for God to do some awesome things? 
During those days, they would believe God. They would remember what God had done for them. And they would expect God. They would repent and cleanse themselves and get themselves ready for the day of atonement. And they would say, you know, we got to make sure that we're ready. We got to make sure that we're clean. We got to make sure that we're ready. I'm telling you, I want you just to get ready. Church, I believe that God is going to be doing something in the next few days that is going to blow our mind. In the next two weeks... Please get yourself ready. And the reason I'm preaching this message today is because you have got to receive everything God has for you. He wants us to get it. He wants us to have it. He said, whatever it is, it's yours. But you've got to receive it. If you have your Bible, open up to James chapter 1. I'm I'm going to try not to be... uh, schizophrenic today in my teaching, but I'm going to try not to be all over the place. I just got so much inside of me. James chapter 1, we see here the fact that Jesus um, wants us to have everything that we ask for. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. So he starts off with wisdom. But let him, how are you supposed to ask? But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive what? Anything from the Lord. He begins the passage by talking about receiving wisdom, and he ends the passage talking about receiving what? Anything. How many need some wisdom to make some decisions? How many need wisdom in your life? Which way to go? What to do? Who to talk to? When to say? How many can say, I may not need wisdom, but I need everything else. I need everything. Come on. That's what anything is. It's everything. Anything you can ask, think, or even imagine. Hallelujah. And he he says here that you can have anything, but you have to ask in faith. I was looking as I was reading that and studying that word upbraideth not. How many know that's a a fancy term there? Anybody know what that means? Upbraideth. I thought, oh man, that's what we just did to the girl's hair. Come on. We we just got it braided up. Come on. (laughs) And that is what it means. It means to constrain. It means to hold back. It means to tie up. And here's what he's saying. If you ask in faith, if you believe this is the one that can give you anything you need, come on, and he doesn't do it holding anything back. He doesn't constrain anything. He doesn't put any parameters. He doesn't say, well, you got to be the only this, only that, only ask for this, but not that. There are a lot of church people that think there's only certain things that we can ask for. Come on, the things you can ask for is whatever is according to his will. Amen? If it's the will of God for your life, then you have the right to ask for it. And ask in faith and believe you receive. So I'm telling you, over the next few weeks, as you're preparing and you're believing God, don't hold anything back. Whatever it is that God has that's in his will for your life, then you need to ask. Upbraideth, not grudgingly, not constrained, freely, no limits. 
And the first way for us to receive, I titled this receiving from the Lord, because there's a lot of people that believe, a lot of people that pray, but not a lot of people that receive. How many have known that? Maybe even in your own life. You say, I I pray, I believe, but I didn't get nothing. And if you keep having those things happen in your life, how many know you get to a place where you get salty? And you get to a place where you get mad with God and you start having these fits and wondering, I'm not even going to pray, I shouldn't even pray. It ain't going to, it don't do any good anyway. Maybe you just haven't been in the receiving position. Maybe you just haven't been receiving right. And the first way to receive is ask. First thing is ask. I love how little kids pray. You know, little kids, it's so cute. They pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake up, pray the Lord my soul to take. And it's cute. They pray, you know... Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God, you know. They have these cute little prayers. If you're still praying that over your food, we need to talk afterwards. But, um, (laughs) you know, I love how I pray with the girls every day before school when I drop them off. And I ask Arena or Addie, I say, okay, you pray this morning. And it's so cute to hear them. They've memorized the prayer that I pray and they pray that same exact, almost word for word. And then they like beat themselves up if they miss a word that I said or don't say it exactly like I say it. And I'm like, that's cute now. I mean, no, now it's cute. But when you've been saved and serving the Lord for 20, 30 years, it's not cute anymore. It's not cute to just, there's some people that are in church for their whole life. You ask them to pray and they're fumbling around and they don't know what to say. And they're looking all crazy and everything. You should know how to talk to God. You should know how to ask God for something. And if you don't, that means you haven't been doing it. If you can't talk to somebody, that's because you haven't talked to them enough. Now my middle daughter, they call her eyelashes at school. Because you go and talk to her and she just sits there, smiles and blinks her eyes. The first couple weeks of school, the teachers would come up, they're like, she does talk, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Every time I talk to Addie, she just, she talks with her eyes. And they're like, what's up with that? I'm like, oh, let her get to know you. Then she won't shut up. Who does she talk to the most? Probably her sister. So what do we hear around the house? Now it's so cute. When she was itty bitty, she couldn't say Arena, so she called her Nana. And so she still calls her Nana, even though she can say it. But all we hear is, Nana, look. Nana, look. Nana, Nana, look. Nana, look. Nana, look. When they're playing, you can hear that. Nana, look. Nana, look. Nana, I got the, Nana, look. Nana, look. Nana, look. And she, and poor Arena, she just sits there and goes along. Okay, okay. Nana, look. Nana, look. <laughs> and it's just like constantly. Nana, Nana, look. Nana, look. Nana, look. Or mommy, mama, mommy, mama. Nana, look. Nana, look. Mommy. I mean, nonstop that kid talks. And you think, what in the world? That's because she's used to talking to those people. She's comfortable. So she has a long vocabulary with them. I'm telling you, the more you talk to God, the closer you get to Him, the easier it is to pray. And you don't have any problem asking Him. How many know when you're close to somebody, you don't have any problem asking them nothing? 
How many ever had somebody that thought they were closer to you than they were? <laughs> All of a sudden they call you up and say, hey, but I was one of kid. I need a couple hundred dollars till next week. Excuse me? I don't, yeah, well, <laughs> I just get rid of, I don't know you like that. Come on. Excuse me? <laughs> what do you mean you need a, not $10, I need a couple hundred dollars. They're like, you got some nerve. We just met. <laughs> I don't know. You've only said two words to me. How many have ever said that? They only said two words to me in the last, and now they want to ask me for that. You, when you know somebody, you can ask them. And you can receive, and it's not upbraided. Are you getting some today? Let him ask. Ask in faith. I love this. The word there, ask, is a Greek word, aiteo. A-I-T-E-O. Aiteo. And it means to ask or request, but it doesn't just mean to mamby-pamby ask. It means to request, to petition, or to demand. It's saying, I have a right to ask this. I'm coming to you rightfully, and I'm asking this, and I expect that what I'm asking, I'm going to get. And I know right now, some of you are thinking, I'm perceived in my spirit. That some of you are already saying, well, you can't just go demanding God. You can't just talk to God crazy like that. No, I'm not talking about talking crazy. But I'm talking about knowing what you're talking about. And saying, I have a right to this. And I'm coming in faith. I'm coming knowing that I need to do this. It's confidently knowing that you have a right because it's due to you. But you know, even if you do a transliteration on the word and you really define it, it was not a, a co-person asking this. Ahiteo is not saying like, hey, me asking you a favor. And it's not a superior talking to a subordinate. But it's a subordinate talking to a superior. And so how many know that you can go to your superior with confidence and assertiveness, with, but also do it with respect? I wrote down here, it's, it's, it's really the picture of a child talking to a parent or um, a student talking to a teacher. But really what I put down is imagine in a courtroom, you have a lawyer and a judge. Now that judge is the ultimate authority in that courtroom. And you have to respect, you have to stand up when they come in, you have to address them a certain way. But what is the lawyer's job? The lawyer's job is to, they even call it arguing a case. The lawyer's job is to say, I've got the evidence, I'm presenting my case, trying to get you to rule in my favor. I tell you what, if you guys don't get blessed up in here today, I will. It's when a lawyer looks at the case and thinks well everybody else says no 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 that ain't gonna work that's not gonna happen there's no way that's gonna happen and then all of a sudden the lawyer says well your honor according to case number 50779 in the case of Johnson v Smith there was precedent made already and it said this happened and it was ruled in their favor so therefore your honor precedent has been made come on somebody 
and I know that I'm standing on a right. Even though it doesn't look good in this situation, precedent has been made. I'm presenting my case. I'm doing it with all due respect, and I'm asking you to consider it. And the judge looks at the case and says, well, it's right here in black and white. I'm ruling in the the plaintiff's or defendant's favor. Case dismissed. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, when you know what the will of God is for your life, you can say, according to the case in the word of God, I'm coming to the great judge and I'm saying precedent has already been made. Come on, somebody. My needs are already supplied according to his riches and glory. It has nothing to do with me, but according to his riches and glory, the case has already been made. So I need you to do this right now. I'm standing in faith believing. Precedent has already been made for my body to be healed. Come on, I don't have to walk around in sickness and disease because according to this, you sent your word and healed my disease. And because of that, I can stand in faith asking for healing and demanding and requesting and petitioning healing for my body, my mind, and my spirit because precedent has been made and I believe I receive it in Jesus' name. And you're not going to hold it back. You're not going to constrain it. Because I have case in point. I have evidence right here. And I'm petitioning before the king. Ahi teo. Hallelujah. I'm not coming rude. But I am coming confident. I'm coming in faith. What does it say? Unless, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. I know that this is going to happen. Oh yeah, but I tell you what, I don't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even pray that because you know what, you're going to get let down. What if you get your feelings or don't even ask that. Hey, let me tell you something. I don't care. I'm not going to get let down because I know my God and I know what he wants for my life. And precedent has been made. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things. Not by myself, but through Christ who gives me strength. Hallelujah. It's not about me. It's about what's already been done. And as we approach this new year, as we approach this new season, I don't know about you, but I'm asking. Somebody say ask. I lack some wisdom. I lack some things. I'm asking. And I'm asking in faith, not wavering. What does it mean to waver? It means to be in it one day and out. So many people waver in their faith. I believe that this is what God has spoke to me. I know that this is what God said. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit of opposition. Well, then we start apologizing for God. Start making excuses for God. Well, I mean, you know, maybe he didn't mean it like that. Maybe what he had said was, come on, don't waver. Stand firm. Stand firm. Hallelujah. Say, well, what happens if I'm believing for healing and I die? What does the word say in Hebrews 11? Blessed are those who die in faith. I'd rather die in faith than live in doubts for a minute. Hallelujah. Because I know I'm healed even if I die. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then the word petition there, it says that we need to 
ask and we need to receive something. And that word is petition. We can. And not only does he want us to ask with confidence, but he wants us to ask specifically. So the next thing is not just ask, but ask specifically. It's a Greek. It's from the same word, atio, but it's ahi tema, ahi tema, which means to be specific, exact, explicit, precise, and have a detailed request. Somebody say explicit, precise, detailed. When you petition something, you're saying, this is an official document. Like, this is a bona fide official document. I went and had it notarized. I crossed my T's. I dotted my I's. I made sure everything is right. Come on, how many ever bought a car, bought a house? And you sat down at the table, and they put that big old uh, stack of papers there, and you're like, what in the world am I doing? Uh, Just sign. Yeah, right. (laughs) Come on. And we start trying to play it off. You start looking at it. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. You start trying to read. And then you start, I don't have a clue what this is saying. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty smart on some things. But there are certain things in my life that no matter how hard I try, health insurance, there's my, my health advisor in the back there. But health insurance, I mean, I can have it explained to me a thousand different times and I'm still like, what does that mean? All I care about is how much does it cost if I have to go to the emergency room? How much does it cost for me to go to the doctor? <laughs> I don't care what that other stuff is because I don't understand it. Well, you know, once you get to the deductible, then you pay the deductible down. And then there's the out-of-pocket cost. And out of the out-of-pocket cost, there's only a maximum. And if you spend that maximum, then you have this maximum that you get. Wait a minute, I thought I had a maximum. Yeah, but then there's a family maximum. And then the, and once you get to the family maximum, then we pay 80-20. Wait, I thought, the, what's insurance for? Well, then we pay 20% of the, no offense, Yumiel, but I'm just telling you i'm like i don't understand that what you talking about i just want to know when my wife says oh the babies are sick we need to take them to the emergency room i need to know i'll look on the back of my card and urgent care is 75 dollars. emergency room is 600 dollars. we're going to urgent care that's what i need to know i don't understand it no matter how hard i try the other thing was interest rates I'm sorry. I'm just like, I thought I was, I remember buying our house and I'm like, and my wife, she got it all, but I'm sitting there like, but I had to play it off, you know, like I knew it. I was like, like, so then, you know, at the end of 30 years, it's fixed, but then there's an adjustable rate and then the balloon payment comes up and then you, I'm like, does the arm bust the balloon? Well, I I don't understand. It was, (laughs) and it was just sign here. Next thing you know, I'm just signing my life away. I have no clue what's going on. But what the thing is, is it's like it was bona fide documents. And once you signed it, it's like you were on the hook. You know, mortgage, this is a side note. You know, the root word of mortgage is the same root word as death. It literally means death grip mortuary mortgage mortality mort gauge a death grip isn't that crazy 
So when you sign over your life, they put a death grip on you. How many believe God for a debt-free house? Come on, can we, can we do that? How many believe God for a no chokehold? Hallelujah. I know some of you thought, yeah, yeah, right. No, I'm serious. How many can believe that? Well, if you can't believe it, you're never going to get it. So, <laughs> But if you can believe it, you'll receive it. Hallelujah. And that's what a petition is. Ahi tema. I am doing this official. This is explicit. Every detail, line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm presenting my case to the Lord. And I'm showing him that I have this. Amen. Hallelujah. First John chapter five, verse 15 says this. Uh, well, let me, let's just turn there. Cause I want to change it up a little bit. You can't change the word of God. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. In a minute. Are you guys okay? Are you getting something today? Come on. We're going to ask in faith. We're going to believe God. First John chapter five. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence. There's that word. Now this is the confidence that we have in who? In him. That if we ask what? Anything according to what? Whose will? So this is the confidence. What is the confidence? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hmm. I don't even know if God heard my prayer. I don't even feel like my prayers went through the ceiling. Well, were you praying in his will? Or were you praying according to your will? Were you praying according to somebody else's will for your life? Were you praying according to the lie that the enemy has placed over your life? Hello. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So once you got those specific, explicit, um, word-for-word instructions, then you can go and you can ask in faith according to his will. And here it is, right here. If we could take that verse and really get all of the definitions for ask and the definitions for petitions and put it together, it would say this. And if we can be confident that God hears us, regardless of what we ask or what physical or tangible need we may want him to meet for us, we can be sure that we will have a yes to the specific, exact, explicit, detailed request that we have desired of him. And if we can be confident that God hears us, Regardless of what we ask for or what physical or tangible need we may want him to meet for us, we can be sure that we will have a yes to the specific, exact, explicit, detailed request that we desired of him. Praise the Lord. That's how we need to come to God. That's how we need to ask. We need to ask and we need to do it in faith specifically. 
That's how did they receive and do things in the Bible? Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to move. The first thing we've got to ask, we've got to ask in faith. Galatians 3, 5, talking about Paul. He, Paul, therefore, that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of the law or by hearing of faith. How does Paul work miracles? How did he minister the Spirit to you? How did they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How did he work miracles? Did he do that? by the law or did he do that by the hearing of faith done it by the hearing of faith Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God what does the word of God say it says that he said it and he means it come on somebody he said it and he means it. It's just like I say, when you get precedent, when you have an answer from God, you can believe it. You can take it to the bank. One of my favorite scriptures, and I'm, I'm almost done. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not, I'm going to read out of the NIV. God is not a human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. How many have met some people that just flat out lie? I mean, you almost, every time they're talking, they're lying. <laughs> you think, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Come on. You know they're lying. I used to have a friend growing up that he would not only would he lie and make up stories, he would put you in them. He would put you in the lies while you're right there. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not, that didn't happen like that. No, you don't even remember. Man, you were, you were so, you were so trashed that night, you don't even remember. I'm like, what do you mean I was trashed that night? Oh yeah, you were blown away, man, you don't even remember. I'm like, that did not happen. You are lying. No, 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 man, it happened. It happened just like that. Don't you remember? No. He's looking at you, and you can always tell when he give you that look like, lie with me. I'm not lying with you. <laughs> it's so funny. My life is so crazy. We were in Israel and I'm talking to people and every time something come up, you know, I got a story for it. So I start telling and everyone's listening to me and I'm like, I know what you guys are thinking because everybody starts giving me that look. You're making that up. I'm like, look, my life is so crazy. I don't have to make nothing up. <laughs> my life is an adventure. Uh, my friend calls me the Indiana Jones of the spirit. <laughs> He's like, everything you do is like some wild adventure. He's like, just something that normal people would do. It becomes some adventure for you. You can't even go and do something. It's got to be, oh, by faith, or this happened and that happened. I'm like, yeah, my life is so crazy, I don't have to make things up. But he says, God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He's saying, if God said it, he will bring Bring it to pass. Come on, somebody. Whatever he promises, he will fulfill it. That's what the word of God says. The word of God says that the promises of God are yes and amen. It says that he sets before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And then he gives you a hint. Hey, choose life. If you were a little dull and you didn't know, here's the choices, but psst, choose life. 
I love it now that Arena is a grade higher than Addie and they have the same teachers. And when we're doing homework with Addie, we're sitting there and trying to go over it and she's maybe struggling a little bit. And before she can even think about it for a minute, Arena's like, she's like telling her the answer. It's C. (laughs) It's Johnny. You know, it's 14. And she's like, stop, Arena, stop. I can figure it out. But she's like giving her the hints. This is the answer. Come on, that's what he said. I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life. So the word of the Lord is I've done it all for you. Brother David, go on to the keyboard. If you start playing, I'll stop talking. He says, I've done it all for you. I've made a way. I walked the Via Dolorosa so you don't have to. I was beat and whipped for your sickness. Come on, it's been said that every disease, every sickness can be traced back to a root cause. If any of us have ever dealt with sickness and disease, they say, well, we trace this back in your genealogy or history and it's to this cause. This caused that. This caused that. Every disease and sickness can be traced back to a root. And they say there are 39 root causes of sickness and diseases. How many times was Jesus hit? 39 times. Come on, somebody. He took a stripe. He took a lash for every sickness, disease, disorder, malfunction, pain, that we will ever face. And today, we can stand in faith, asking, and God will bring healing to you. Come on, Wilma. God even brought healing to you and used prayer and medicine together come on i remember being in oral roberts university and he talked about the streams of healing coming together and outside of the city of faith there is a fountain two streams going together to the praying hands he said it was the stream of prayer and medicine because who gave the doctors the ability to do what they do it was the lord come on 20 years ago you wouldn't be sitting here today hallelujah Thank God for healing us. Thank God for using every avenue available for provision, for healing, for deliverance. Come on, some people say, you know what? I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with this. And I don't want to go see. I, maybe I need some therapy. Come on. There's nothing wrong with that. Get your therapy and get prayer. And get delivered one way or another. Come on, somebody. Some people, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go see nobody. I don't talk to nobody. I'm just let Jesus take care of it. Well, maybe Jesus will send you to a highly anointed, spirit-filled therapist. They can say, you know what? Here's the Word of God, and here's some clinical things, and we're going to bring the streams together and see you get delivered and set free. Maybe my relationship is going through the ringer. And I, maybe you need to see a marriage and family therapist and the pastor and come together and see what God will do. Come on, there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to ask. 
this season that we're going into, these next few weeks, we can't be afraid to ask. Because I'm telling you, I know I heard the Lord say, it's there for the taking. I've already done it. It's already done. Hallelujah. And so I want you, just like Simon did his part in fulfilling the plan of God, I want you to do your part. And your part is receiving. It's simple. But how many know it's so hard at times? And the first thing to do to receive is to get in the right position. God, I'm removing all fear. I'm removing all doubt. I'm removing my pride. And I'm going to ask. Sometimes it's just asking. There's people in the natural that won't ask for nothing. They could be in such trouble but just refuse to ask for help. But today... God's saying, will you ask? And then when you ask, ask in faith, not wavering.